fucking moron, you useless piece of shit. You can't lead a team, you can't lead a tackle. You are fucking shit. Get your lube out, I know you're gonna jerk off to this. Podcast on this Sunday evening after round nine. It's Daggers and I, uh, the Slamson, aka Horse, apparently. Um, Ginormous penis. <laughs> just chatting a bit of footy at the end of round nine. Well, <laughs> well, what did uh, what have you thought about today? Well, um, so for the viewers, this is it is seven thirty five p.m. after round nine. We have just watched Carlton get obliterated by about what was it ninety three points? I think it was. And um, it's a shame that we don't have uh, Sherman LEG over here because I reckon he would be throwing the microphone out and, uh, you know, probably driving to the Westgate. All reports um, is that he was kicked out of the household because he was so abusive <laughs> and uh, he probably has nowhere to stay from now on. So. Yeah. Well, Samson, obviously you were at the Richmond Hawthorne game, so you didn't yes. get to watch much, but what... What struck your eye at this at this stage? So I managed to watch the the, the last quarter on my phone while at Nando's, Tronga Village, good Nando's. Yep. Um, very tasty. Do a lovely job there. Yep. Yep. Um, and it was it was honestly hilarious watching watching the game because it was just there was literally zero body on body contact no. the whole game, and it was just a chip fest. And whenever Carlton were went over about halfway from from the on the field into their forward fifty was just like chaos. They just freaked out. They're like, oh shit, the ball's going forward, I don't know idea what to do. And then just Whitfield and Look, so firstly let's talk about Whitfield. Yes. Forty disposals, eighteen marks, three goals. <laughs> yeah, it's unbelievable. Eighteen marks. I know. That's how, and from 30, a wait, sorry. No, but there was thirty three uncontested possessions. So that just gives you an idea of how much pressure Carlton were putting on. Um in terms of the general team effort, so let me read out some of these stats. GWS, 476 disposals. The AFL average is around 380 or so, so that's plus 100 from the average, and Carlton were at 288, right? Clearances, plus 19, so 43 to 24. Inside 50s, plus 30, that's right, 30. 65 inside 50s to 35. And that value was very low in the first half, the 35. Um, and um, look, the most disappointing thing when you look at a team that's lost, you can tell they've had less of the ball, but they've also had less tackles. And quite, con- quite convincingly, 13 less tackles. So 44 tackles for the whole game and only 288 disposals. But it just showed you, they just weren't prepared for a contest they, like that. They weren't. I, it was a, <laughs> it was a really there. weird one. And, and yeah. It's really funny, to be honest, because <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand how an AFL side can go into a game expecting anything, a, a remotely part competitive, mm. and produce that. I don't know. Well, all right. So I've been a big advocate of Carlton so far this year. I have looked at the data. They definitely deserve more wins than they have. I reckon they've deserved about three wins this year instead of the one win. Their percentage, besides, besides, (laughs) their percentage has been good. Besides the one game against North, and obviously, like if we're talking about games before today, they've so they've had one bad game. The one bad game against North, they had a bad first quarter against Richmond in round one, and every other quarter they seem to be fairly competitive, except for the whole um, Kangas game. Fast forward to today, really disappointing performance. But again, if everyone's thinking that they are like Brisbane. Of last year if you recall I mean you're a Richmond fan Brisbane scored what 16 17 points against Richmond earlier in the year when was that it was 
somewhere at the G on like a fairly dry dry game, and it just happened. I think it just happens with some of these young teams, but no, this is this is not. But a, this was, this was a poor game. This this was, is... It was a poor performance. Um, what concerns me is effort. Now it takes no talent to actually provide any effort, and you can see there in the numbers, Lockie Whitfield's game, the total tackles. Everything like that, you just know that the effort wasn't there, and that's that's what should be the most disappointing thing as a Carlton fan. Yeah, look at the, it's interesting looking at the, the two halves of that game. First half, um, seventy-four point differential. Second half, only nineteen points. So it's yep. it's really straight. Although GWS had nine behinds in the second half, and obviously didn't try. By the way, Jeremy Cameron, two games in a row of zero goals, four. Yeah, he's, he's kicked zero goals eight in the last two weeks. He's tanking so GWS get <laughs> another forward, and then he more goals after that obviously yeah. staying the Carlton route there well Finn Layson was very impressive today he, yeah, um, he kicked five before three quarter time whatever it was yeah and, and, and Harry Himmelberg um, Himmelberg he's just got that kind of match winning X factor about him I, I always liked him um, Himmelberg <laughs> I couldn't count and get any of these good GWS yeah. players into their, Jeez, into their squad scored a yeah well so actually let's talk about their defensive stocks because we know they've taken a bit of a hit you got Cade Simpson's out You've got yeah, Liam he's, Jones. He's, he, you don't count Casey as a defender. I mean, like, you need some experience. They had apparently... Yeah, but there's a difference between experience and like a key defender. You look at Richmond's def- defence today, right? Yeah. Ryan Gar- Garthwaite was arguably our best, best um, behind uh, Grimes. And but it's just like... if played a handful of games. It's kind of like... I mean, there's there's a limit with how much experience you need to have in the, your defensive 50. So at least Richmond have... Um, you know, Dylan Grimes was Asbury playing today. Yeah, he yeah. So you have those kind of mainstays. Um, there's no real mainstays at the moment that are in the Carlton lineup. I think McCready's come in for his first game of the year. Weedering's had a good year. Um, Caleb Marchbank has only played a couple of games as well. Uh, it just seems like they were they were pretty thin on the defensive end, but still that doesn't excuse their offensive capabilities, like uh, just the effort and and stuff like that. So, um, look, really disappointing game. Um, they come against come up against St Kilda next week at probably Eddie Had. Fucking Eddie Had. Um, no. And, no and uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Um, yeah. I think that's that's all we really have to say about Carlton. Um, pretty hilarious. Any, I, I any, think it's just it's an absolute joke. I mean, yeah. Well, anything else that caught your eye this, this weekend? I was like, uh, Carlton's loss was probably this the worst weekend. performance of, of the weekend. Uh, it was a great week. I love the Carlton, the Blues League because I always compare Richmond back to that Carlton uh, elimination <laughs> final when they finished ninth and they took Essendon. <laughs> Nick Dygan and Nick Nick Dygan <laughs> kicks four goals and Chris Jard goes god mode in the second half and we're up by five goals and then you fast forward five six years we're Premiership team and yeah. <laughs> losing by hundred points. Yeah. So look, I uh, I still think they're on the way up. Like I, I can't deny that um, they've got. The they've got the DNA there. They've got no. They don't have the got, DNA. I think they they have a very good like we can call their forward line dangerous if it actually gets in there. You can call Matt Harry Mackay one of the best contested marks in the game now. Yes, Charlie Kerno is unfit at the moment. Um, but we know what he is at his best. I wouldn't say they have um, the DNA. They have aspects in certain players' games that are good. Now, okay. whether that's actually got anything to do with a good footy team, I think not. Because, mm. you know, you, you could be really good at kicking the ball. I mean, you look at someone like... Um, 
Blake Hardwick. Who was who was the who was the, the kicker that went from Richmond up to the Gold Coast and just played like one game? Anthony Miles. Yeah, no, no, no. Miles. Uh, is it? Well, yeah, you can talk about Anthony Miles. He's oh, great. Corey Ellis. You're talking yeah, about yeah. right? Corey Ellis. So Corey Ellis, lethal left foot, cannot do a thing else, and yeah. so it's it's a situation where Carlton players don't understand that they have to be able to do everything in every moment, mm-hmm. um, and that's where they just keep falling over and things. But let's think. So, Setterfield is an ex-pick five. couple ACLs, so his value kind of went down a bit. Carlton were able to get him fairly cheap. Yeah. And that pick is now at the Crows. Go the Crows. Um, <laughs> so, at, so you got Setterfield, you got Walsh, you got Dow, you got Fisher. And that's pretty... That's quite an experience, you can say. David Cunningham can kind of rotate in there as well. He was out today. Um, and then, obviously, Cripps is the umbrella that holds them all together. Um, defensive stock. So Liam Jones has had a good year. Um, I mean, Plowman is, eh, um, but March Bank is a good defender, and you have some good halfback flankers there. Um, and yeah, as I said, the forwards. Um, forgot to talk about Mitch McGovern, who's um, just a fat loser. What's oh, <laughs> a, a bit rough and not wrong. Um, nah, no, he's, a, he's a, a very good, Mitch. very good mark. Um, on the ball. I don't know. I, I feel like they have at yeah, least this. they I have. Love you, Mitch. <laughs> I think they have the ingredients there. It's just a shame that um, whatever happened today. But um, yeah, no, no credit taken away from GWS. I thought they were brilliant um, right from the get-go. You know, to get up for a game against a clearly weaker opposition um, and, you know, to pile on, I think it was seven goals in the first quarter. They scored more goals in the first quarter than they did all game last week. Yeah, so right. No, it's honestly hilarious. Like, the whole yeah. concept of this game just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. All right, um, I think we'll uh, wrap up on that game for now. Yeah, so, so we'll wait for sure to uh, discuss it on <laughs> yes. in a few days. Yeah. Uh, he'll have a lot to say, so viewers, just be patient. Stay tuned for the sure Stay and the rant. It'll probably go for the entire episode. Yeah. And welcome back to, to uh, the uh, Meters Gained podcast. Our usual host, Mr. Daniel Polonsky, is not here today, so uh, you know we have to fill in the slack. What uh, what do you, what's our special nickname just for the two of us? Just our little uh, bonding sesh. Well, I was oh, just this this yes. collection of the two of us, yes. or oh, I don't know, the midget and the David and Goliath. Why not? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, if the viewers don't know, Samson is enormous, so I am therefore David. <laughs> Dean's also not very tall, so that helps. I'm very he probably, sure. He probably weighs about the size of my pinky. Pink, you know, the nail on the pinky. <laughs> um, so we were. I wanted to discuss with you, Samson. Um, as, as we said, end of round nine now, and we kind of get a feel of where teams are at the moment. Uh, but I wanted to put to you a couple of questions. So, in your opinion, who's closer to a premiership? I'm going to start with. So we were just ch- chatting about Carlton, but I was saying Carlton or Essendon. Um. All right. Well, first thing we take a look at is where they are, what they've done so far this season. Carlton have won a game, lost eight, and got absolutely schmized today. And then Essendon are much better. They won four. So, won three three games separate here. Percentage-wise, well, after today, the Blues are nowhere near it. Who's closer? You've got to say the Bombers are closer, um, purely from the fact that they're not in turmoil. Because, unfortunately for Carlton, every single loss like this hurts them more than what they think. So, it hurts them more in the fact that they're unable to keep supporters. They're unable to, therefore collect enough revenue and their it's confidence confidence as well but it just there's such a flow on effect and they're getting crushed if you if you take out today's game would that change your answer um 
I mean, but you've got it's like, but they've had this is not the first time they've had this game. Yeah. So it's kind of like a conversation you have to take in all of it to account because if you say you know take out a couple games here and there where they've got absolutely yeah. smart, what do you think? Like it's it's part of the package, and so included in obviously take Essendon, and even if you take it out, I mean like. It's so hard. Like they've got, like we were talking about before, they've got aspects of pieces of good quality, but they just yeah. Well, what if I changed Essendon to a team like let's say North Melbourne? What would you think there? Yeah, interesting conversation. Because um, like North Melbourne have been middle of the road, and I mean middle of the road as consistently in the middle of the road as humanly possible <laughs> for you know fifteen <laughs> years or so that. I don't know what they're trying to build. I don't know what their plan is. At least with Carlton, you can see clear, clearly what their plan is and what their progression looks like if everything goes right. Well, you, you almost can think of North as, you know, take the Premier League for an example, and they're, a, you know, middle, mid-table. Fulham, West Ham. Yeah, but they're like, there's the clubs that they've just never expected to challenge, you know. they Mm. Like some of these clubs have had a history over the occasion, but they just never expected to take that next step. Mm. And unfortunately, we could be heading in that area where we're going to have clubs that will just financially be incapable of making that extra push. At least the salary cap is even, unlike the EPL. But still, yeah. like it's, I just don't see anyone coming through North Melbourne's list that I'm excited about. As yeah. a North Melbourne fan, I don't know who I'd be, be excited about. Jai Simpkins a fairly early draft pick, and I feel like he can show signs, but he hasn't been great. Um, everyone was excited about Bailey Scott after round one. He hasn't done much since. Solid haircut. I, I can't even Pigeons. name very. I, I do like the uh, buzz cuts. Um, I can't name anyone else that I'm excited about that's a young player. But I think they don't have this uh, essence of building and developing. I mean, I can't even remember the last, I guess, young good player to come out of there. Luke Davis, Uniac, was supposed to be that player and he just hasn't made any noise. Yeah, he hasn't come I think it goes back to that Brad Scott mentality of where he knows what he knows and there is nothing else that's possible in this world. So, do you think it's a thing about development or do you think it's actually talent? No, they've got talent. Okay. They they pulled in some good players. Um, I do feel they do have talent. However, I don't think management... You know, coach and above are in the right mindset to realize exactly where they are and how to move forward. It's kind of like they're still stuck mm. in dreamland that they're maybe they think they're better than what they are. Yeah. So in that scenario, we say that Carlton's closer to a premiership? No, because they're worse. No? They're worse off. Like, you think like so? they're less. They're more delusional than North. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I think. Yeah. As I said, Carlton <laughs> with nearly twenty first round draft picks or whatever it is have to eventually, you know, some of them have to hit. So, well, like, yeah, that, that's, but that's, like, you would yeah. assume that because they have what should be the talent on their list, that um, that they should be closer. Um, uh, it's a tough one for me. I think Carlton, um, I guess you're saying North. Yeah, I'm just saying it's, it's a lesser of two evils. I mean, they're mm. both in this t- awful dismay where I don't think their clubs know what direction they're supposed to be going in and their management yeah. are just... Drop the ball. Well, would you rather be middle of the road for a very long time with small up, uh, small increases and decreases potentially each year, like you know, small fluctuations, or would you rather be start at the bottom, you know, build from the ground up and then you know make your launch? Like it's um, well, it you, seems that like the Carlton way is um similar to what Brisbane have done and Brisbane yeah, but, pretty good. But, 
But you've got to yeah, show me an example of where starting from the bottom and going to win a premiership exists. I mean... It's just Hawthorne in 2008. But I'm saying... Um, it, but, Hawth- but Hawthorne also have given the example of the opposite where they've had that quick rebuild, turned around, and then bang, won yeah. shitloads of premierships again. Mm. So it's I guess it's... Yeah, there's not one way to, yeah, to yeah, win yeah. a premiership. And in the AFL, we know that... Um, Obviously, there's a lot of talent that can come through the draft, but in in essence, it's really just a probability, a game of probabilities. Like it's um, you're not guaranteed to get a good player, and therefore being at the bottom of the ladder. I mean, Carlton had what three number one picks in a row, whatever it was. Yeah. Um, it's not guaranteed to bump you up. What is guaranteed, in my opinion, to bump you up is changing culture and um, you know, bringing coaches that are likable and able to develop and stuff like that. But yeah. That's a conversation for a uh, another episode. Um, I wanted to move on to another one. Yep. Um, so two interstate clubs, Sydney or Fremantle. So Sydney now on three wins. Closer to a premiership. Clearly on the way down. Mm. Um, kind of confusing why they're having such a bad year because if you look at that list, nothing's really that different. I mean, Hanbury's out, but he wasn't really playing last year. What Josh Kennedy's a year older. Buddy Franklin obviously hasn't been playing, but they weren't winning when he was playing anyway. Um, yeah, they kind of confuse me at the moment. Um, everyone talks about them being... They finished in such high positions and had such you know high draft picks, high meaning like later draft picks, that they just haven't been able to replenish talent. I disagree on that. I think they've got... This academy, which has just given them a wealth of talent. They've got Isaac Heaney with, I think, pick 18. Mm. Um, Callum Mills was pick three, but discounted. Um, Nick Blakey, um, at least they're as well drafting well. I feel like Ollie Florent and um, Will Haywood are two really good young forwards. And as well, they always find picks in the rookie picks and the late picks, stuff like that. So mm. um, they're a confusing one for me. And Fremantle, I mean, Ross Lyon, I, I don't know what really to think about He's them. He's a bit of a dinosaur, isn't he? I just don't know what to think about them. Like, what's their plan? Again, similar to North Melbourne. I just want to know, what is Fremantle Dockers' plan at the moment for winning a premiership? Well, yeah. I mean, talking about, I guess, uh, I see Lions as a similar coach mindset to Brad Scott, who we were talking about before, where he's Mm -hmm. very strict. He has changed a little bit this year. Um, but I think it's like set in his ways, but yeah, he's, like inflexible. Yeah, very controlling and, and everything has to be in the, his direction for the club to go forward where unfortunately it's not really the case these days. Like a lot of the successful clubs have important people in upper management as well as the coach as well and director of football, yep. etc. different positions um, to bring different points of view because obviously, you know, Ross Lyons' team have not challenged for a premiership since... When 2013. Was, that was it. Um and even then, it was a questionable style of footy that he played back then. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I would say Sydney just because of the culture that they've built um, and the fact that I do see them bouncing back next year. Um, yeah. I just don't see anyone exciting coming through at yeah. Fremantle. I mean, Chera and Brayshaw. Brayshaw has been actually really bad this year, if you look statistically. He's been he's been really bad. Second year, but he's been really bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cam McCarthy can be good. Um, it's it's unfortunate that he's inconsistent because, yeah, he's just... Yeah. I mean, you're just looking at some stats for you so far, we've got Frio side. I mean, the total disposal leader is Mundy, you know, old fire. Yeah, so Mundy's, what, 34? Yeah, exactly. Maybe? Um, um, 
um, he's had a really good year, but yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, like uh, your disposals per game is five, and he's got the most handballs as well. Bradley Hill's got the most kicks. I mean, it's like it's it's almost like you know they're not prepared to move the baton on to the next set of players because unfortunately, I don't think Fife's going to be here for the next Premiership. I just don't know what their next set of players is at the moment. So, um, look, we'll wait and see on that one. As I said, so Sydney have, I would say, some pretty good early draft picks. They have not the, in this year. They don't have anyone coming through the academy, which is unfortunate for them. But next, the year after that, so what the two thousand twenty draft, they got yeah. Errol Goulden, who's a random sixteen year old at the moment, but he should be an early draft pick in two thousand twenty. Random sixteen. He's so, uh, playing Fortnite right now. Yes, he is. So don't <laughs> don't eliminate me in Fortnite because I already feel old enough playing that game, mate. Um, <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I, I think we're in a green. So Sydney there. Yeah. Um, so how about the two two of Eddie had sides, St Kilda or Bulldogs? What do you think about what do you think about them? Uh, well, the Dogs have shown a bit lately, and the the Saints showed a bit earlier in the season. Um, it's so hard to determine whether the dogs are good or not at the moment. Yeah. I mean, they obviously peaked really early in 16 and had that unbelievable two-month two yeah. run into their first premiership in a billion years. Um, retiring Tom Boyd um, just kind of shows you, I guess, they probably weren't as set in their next form of, of grand final challenging players from that 16 team. So it's obviously the bonds there. Um so, yeah, players that remain there, this is three years removed from a premiership, right? Mm. Joel Hamling's at Freo, Matthew Boyd's retired, Shane Biggs is retired, Dal Morris is ACL, um, Liam Picken is retired, uh, Jake Stringer's gone, Tory Dixon's in the VFL, Tom Boyd has just retired, Clay Smith is retired, Ruffhead has gone to Collingwood, Dullhouse has gone to Geelong, um, and, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. So, there's quite a few players that have already left out of there. So, I kind of feel like if they do want to challenge them, they have to do a mini rebuild, similar to the years of Hawthorne between 08 and oh, uh, uh, Yeah, I don't think the rebuild is that far off, but it's about surrounding these players um, with the right sort of talent. And I think Bailey Smith is, is pretty good. Yeah, very nice uh, six-pack, Bailey, Bailey has. Yeah, um, he wouldn't mind showing it off. Yes, he would. Yeah, um, I prefer your six-pack, though, just the... A straight scar down the middle. Yes, for the viewers out there, I've had multiple heart surgeries, so my chest looks like <laughs> my chest looks like a train wreck. Um, Aaron Norton, do you do you rate the player? Yeah, I mean you've got to. He completely obliterated my side a few weeks back. Yeah, true. Yeah, he's yeah he's a talented freak. Um, yeah. Whether he develops and keeps going from here, you'd hope so. I mean, the dogs yeah. have been crying out for a key forward for for years. Yeah, and, well, since Barry Hall. Yeah. I remember when they got Barry Hall on board, like. It was perfect. They were good that season. Fit. Exactly. What yeah. year was that? Oh, it was like 2011. Nah, it would have been before that. It would have been around 08, I'm guessing. Because uh, they were very good in Hawthorne's premiership year. Yeah. Um, like one of the top con- um, contenders. Um, anyway, yeah. So on St. Kilda, again, another team that I feel like I don't really know what they stand for. I can't even recognize half their players. Um that's probably a blight on me not watching St Kilda games, but still. A um, couple of mature ages that they brought in, Matthew Parker and uh, Robbie Young. Um, Matty Parker has been good. Matty Parker. He's exciting. Fresh from jail. He loves it. He loves the snare. Um, Matty Parker, yeah. Callum Wilkie, Nick Hind is um, wasted away, really, in the VFL. Um, could really provide them with some dash. But um, I don't know. They're, they're kind of a confusing team as well. There's, there's a few of these teams that... Like, you just can't see a clear path. 
that's what I like to see about Brisbane, um, about Carlton, mm-hmm. uh, teams like that. Just like a clear, clear path over there. Um, I don't know, like Billings is a bit of a tease. He has done well in some parts. He has done poorly in some parts. Rowan Marshall is a very good developing ruckman. And he's been, um, he's touched the ball a lot this he's year. A really, he's a yeah, really good around game. the ground. So yeah, they should be pretty happy there. Um, I don't know what I say. I think, <laughs> I think Bulldogs just because they still have that um, premiership experience in there. And that is my tie-breaking vote. Yeah, I agree. Like, yeah. think about... Think about like Hawthorne winning all those premierships, being like calm and experienced in the grand finals, and not shitting themselves on like you know like Sydney, Frio, um, mm-hmm. Eagles, not Collingwood. Oh, Collingwood. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I'll I'll put them ahead just because of that. Um, so final one, mm-hmm. I was thinking two teams that are that should be promising and and should be good this year. One is, one isn't. So Melbourne or Brisbane? Now I say at the start. At the end of last year, this would have 100% been weighted towards Melbourne. Mm. And purely based on this year, you would have to say Brisbane. But we know that that would be silly to just um, assume that Melbourne won't be back up there in um, next year or something like that. So, yeah, what do you think, Slammy? Oh, well, it's, it's actually a really interesting one. Um, grading them, I think in their trajectory towards a premiership Brisbane are slightly behind Melbourne mm-hmm. um, because Melbourne made their first I guess breakthrough yep. semi-breakthrough last year where they were able to play consistent footy what they wanted to do for the majority of the season ended yep. up getting pummeled in the prelim we yep. haven't seen a breakthrough season from the Lions mm-hmm. um, and often uh, I relate this kind of back to Richmond's that they made the finals, I think three consecutive years before dropping off and then coming back and win the premiership in 17. So Melbourne having odd off season in between in this trajectory doesn't like mean like what you said before means that they're falling off. So mm-hmm. I guess if you throw them to each other, I'd probably say Melbourne's closer mm-hmm. purely because they're further along their trajectory and closer towards, I guess, the lessons learned and players developed to a premiership side. Mm-hmm. Now, if you go to 2008, Hawthorne obviously just blew that trajectory thing out of the water because like, oh, I'm going to win the premiership now, says Buddy Franklin. So <laughs> out of nowhere, just decides to kill the guys. Um, but I yeah. guess on normal fashion, there's a trajectory and I'd probably put Melbourne further along that scale. On that topic of Hawthorne, I think that was the most beautiful trajectory progression ever. They went from... Five wins, then nine wins, then thirteen wins, and then the premiership year was seventeen wins, and then obviously the premier like premiership was a very big breakthrough. Um, but yeah, that was a perfect rebuild. Yeah. Um, back to the topic we were talking about. Yeah. Um, so Melbourne, I question whether their game plan has been caught out after the last year. Now this is something that we see very often with. Um, young teams or potentially injury-riddled teams where they have a really good year, think Adelaide 2017, come out the next year and they might... uh, Oh, Samson's recording me on his Instagram. Um, You know, they might come out and think that, oh, it's just going to happen for us. Melbourne have had that kind of mentality. Um, I feel like they're kind of a complacent team, which is really disappointing to see. But in general... 
like potentially their game plan got caught up and obviously we're concerned about what targets they have inside 50. So mm-hmm. Jesse Hogan had an average year last year, I think. But regardless, like structure-wise, you got Tom McDonald as your number one forward now and there is no one really around him that's that's. But he's not always there. He, the, he has to be thrown back because of the injuries. Yeah, so but, that, like, but that means they don't have a... Like a, a plan B. I mean. Yeah, so I'm I'm worried that it's not just a just a blip. Like I'm worried that it's not just a oh we're having a shit year because our players came back from preseason in shit form and you know Stephen May is like 50 kilos overweight and whatever they're saying Size about it. to go off and just drink piss from everyone. Yeah, so <laughs> sounds like you do. I love piss. Um, <laughs> so. Yeah, I'm I'm slightly concerned on that front. Um, having said that, at least they've proven that they can get to a prelim if they if everything goes right. So, well, I think it's just part of the development process. Usually, you'd probably have like a decent year without getting to a prelim, and then have a hard year of like realizing truths about why mm. you're not going to the final stage yet. But it's just yeah. lessons to be learned. Now it's actually up to the management for them to teach the players and what mm-hmm. they need to do from here to improve themselves to go forward, whether they actually do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if you had to tip it now, Melbourne or Brisbane close to a premiership? Melbourne. Yeah, Melbourne. Me too. All right. Well, uh, yeah, that's a good discussion. Um, I will be back uh, after the break. Go Tigers. Back here with Daggers, Dagan, and myself, Force. We're just chatting about a surprise or not surprise segment. We're going to talk about a few different topics and we're going to talk about why we're surprised or not surprised about certain things going on in the footy world this this season to date. Dino, what have you got for us in the first one? All right, so I have been surprised, pleasantly surprised, about how well the youth players have been assimilating into the AFL. Youth. And I mean youth, youth. with an F. Youth. Um, I've been surprised about how easily they've been assimilating, except for Sam Walsh, which I'll talk about later because that doesn't surprise me. Um, Connor Rosie starting as a forward in his first year has been fantastic. Xavier Dersma is one of the best runners in the AFL already. Port would be in serious trouble if it weren't for those two players. I think. Yeah, or like Zach, they're, Zach they're pretty as average well. as it is. Yeah, Butters as well. Um, like, they'd be so much worse. You got Chase Jones doing well. You got who else is there? You have Bailey Scott that started well. You had. Uh, like I'm already, I'm blanking, but there's been a lot of very good players. And um, when we spoke to Ned McHenry, obviously a few weeks ago, or a couple of weeks ago, whenever it was, um, he mentioned that now the assimilation into the AFL, that the TSC Cup system is a lot more professional so that the players don't struggle. They don't just get shocked when they get into the AFL system. And, and it's, it's clearly working. So um, yeah, I've been really, really happy with how the youth players have been performing in their first year. And um I guess we can expect to see more of an impact from these first-year players than ever before. So that's that's good for the AFL. Mm, that's good. Samson? Yeah, well, I guess on the surprise side, uh, we were talking about earlier Melbourne season. So definitely a surprise. Melbourne uh, making it to the preliminary final against the two big premiers, West Coast Eagles, last year. Coming into this season, um, have only clocked up a handful of wins. That, I guess, had if, if this was raised... During the preliminary final weekend last year, that uh, in round by round nine the following year, um, the D's would only have one win next to their name. You'd be just what's not one win? Is it? What about three wins? I think. Uh, I Close enough. Three wins. Yeah, same thing. Um, 
Samson's Samson's, a, Samson's an accountant at KPMG, so it's okay that he can't count. Yeah, no, it's what computers are for. <laughs> There's nothing about that you have to actually use Bad percentage as well, though. So. Yeah, awful percentage. But I guess, why is this happening? Why am I surprised? <laughs> well, they're not realising their faults from the previous season. They've carried uh, this arrogant attitude of all their players into the next season. They had it last year, but they were winning games and they were scoring heavily and they were having a lot of fun during it. But you can tell that arrogance on the field in the sense that they weren't hard running defensively. They had these issues last year, but they were just scoring, so it was fine, where they wouldn't turn the corner, wouldn't go back and help each other out and fill in spots, especially in that zone. Now, when they're not scoring because their forward line is just a ghost town, which I'll get to in a sec, um, this attitude is carried on. It's got to come from their captain, the captains, and their coach, coaches. And it's just, it's got to a stage where they're expecting to win, but they have only won three games for the season. And it's like, they're going to probably miss the finals and they've just got to change this attitude to more a desperate scenario. It's weird that they're complacent. Yeah. It's really weird. Yeah. They just expect that it will happen for them. And it just doesn't work like that in the AFL, unfortunately. Um, On the topic of Melbourne, so clearly the worst team going, uh, scoring from their inside 50s, clearly. Um, Clearly. Like, as clear as fucking mud. Um, Clayton Oliver has been dreadful going inside 50. Um, 54.2% of his kicks inside 50 have resulted in the team losing possession. That's out of 48 kicks inside 50. And the worst component of that is he has the worst conversion when going inside 50 out of that top echelon of players. 8.3% 8.3% of his kicks inside 50 result in a team score. Going back into that inside 50 conversation, I mean, it's not always the kicker's fault. Yeah, so the forward structure... Yeah. So I said that's probably a byproduct of their, their pretty bad forward line at the moment. But like 8.3% is is very, it's very poor. But yeah, yeah well, that was what I was alluding to earlier was that this, this Melbourne forward line does not exist. It's a ghost town. I mean, Tom McDonald's the only... Yeah. You'd, you'd think the only competent forward there, but he should be playing down back anyway. Jake Milksham's their best forward and he's off injured at the moment and it's just a poor scenario. Just a ghost town. It's like Chernobyl in the 1990s. I was at the, no one there. <laughs> I was at the Dreamtime game a few weeks back. Watching the Tigers get over the top once again. Um, and it was just really interesting to watch the field scenario with the placement of players. I mean, as soon as there's a turnover, because the D's forced a lot of turnovers during the game, live yep. turnovers, um, which is the best way to score. But all, they just, they, there was just no one prepared to run hard forward. There was no one there ready to receive the ball. Yep. It was like... Yeah, they, there just, was no movement. Yeah, yeah exactly. They're just, just a give-up attitude. Um, and to put that in contrast, you see young players like Liam Baker come in applying diving smothers and yeah, um, you know, plays, plays, plays tackling hard defensively. And um, yeah, you get what you you get what you put in. So um, yeah, that's that's a fair, that's, that's a fair one. Um, now something I haven't been surprised about. I alluded to it before, but um, Sam Walsh assimilating into the AFL so easily. Now Sam Walsh, for those who weren't following the under 18s was as Good a prospect coming through as has ever been. Um, he has been really good at AFL level. Today, he had his first game under 20 disposals. So that's uh, slightly disappointing for him, but he's gone. So, Samson, let me read off these performances oh, in go terms ahead. of disposals. Oh, go ahead. Debut, 24 disposals. Then 25, 28, 28, 26, 27, 22, 20, and today, 18. I can't recall another first-year player doing that. And I can't recall another first-year player 
except for Xavier Dersma, right. who has been running 15 kilometers a game in their first year. So again, just like it's unbelievable what he's doing, but um, yeah, I'm not surprised. Early prediction: What do you think his career looks like? Is he a Hall of Fame legend? Is he a Hall of Fame? Is he an all-time great? Is he a club great? Is he a 200 game player? What is he? I'll say 200 gamer now, just because it's the most obvious one. Let's let's probably park that prediction of Hall of Famer. That's I think it's soft. way too hard to say. You love him. I That's do. Soft. I do love him. Um. So yeah, I mean, even before he got drafted, everyone's like 250 gamer club captain. So I mean, there's nothing Love I've seen half. so far in nine rounds that that you know persuades me to think anything differently. So. Yeah, really impressive start to his career. And, um, yep, not surprised by that. Samson? Yes. He's, he's on track, isn't he? Yes. Unfortunately, the rest of his team is not. Anyway, uh, a surprise aspect that I'm going to chat about is the second last place Kangaroos. Um, going into the two-week trade period at the end of last year, the Roos had a lot of names on their list, as they did the year before as well. This yep. year, they ended up coming up with some pretty good players. With Jasper Pittard, Jared Polek, Aaron Hall. Um, they're all talented players. They were, I wouldn't say fringe players at their club, but they were starters, but they weren't, you know, I guess you, you don't yeah. rely on them to play well. They went the top, whole team top to 10, play well. top five. Exactly. Yeah. But they are seriously talented, and they should have really improved this team. Now, there's a, probably a couple things that are, Chain that have not worked in the Roos side so far this year for a couple wins. I guess one of them would be having all these new players in and them not being, I guess, assimilated, as Dean was talking about earlier, to, yes. Yes, to the Kangaroos culture. They may not necessarily, I guess, uh, have the trust of, of their team player, of their teammates yet. Um, I also believe that Brad Scott is a very tough and a very stubborn person who, okay. I guess, if, he, if he's on the footy field and the umpire calls the wrong way, he'll probably bite your head off. Um, yep. He honestly thinks he's right in every scenario. Now. <laughs> As he probably doesn't know, he's not right all the time. And I don't know if he has the best assistance around him, nor is mm-hmm. he maybe the best person to take them for their next step of their journey. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that they're looking into that as we speak. Yeah. Um, um, so... Look, from the outside looking in, you look at their trades last year and their pickups and you think, kangaroos think that they're in a premiership window. They're getting established players. Um, they're not... A bit delusional. They're not going really strong at the draft or anything. They think they're in at least a window or, you know, able to make finals, stuff like that. Which is which wouldn't have been surprising looking back from the end of last year. Obviously, it hasn't gone right for them for... I. I don't know the reasons why, as uh, well, Samson has kind of mentioned. Um, but yeah, I think now they're stuck with some contracts that they might not want because their team. I actually, I think the contracts are okay. I think the players they've got are okay, but there is no okay. team sense and team culture that drives a success attitude, and that comes from tackling pressure, hard work, yep. causing turnovers, and and running hard both ways. Um, you just yeah, you just got to look at certain sides like Richmond. Um, Collingwood as well mm-hmm. even though they have a ridiculous midfield but mm-hmm. it, it's the effort players that, that come in and make a difference that really change a team mm-hmm. okay fair enough yeah and uh, Dino take us through your next point so the part that I'm not surprised with Gold Coast showing improvement everyone's saying at the start of the year Gold Coast will go winless at the for the year Gold Coast will go winless I, I didn't I did not see anything that suggested that what did Gold Coast do 
they improved their culture. How did they improve their culture? <laughs> they got rid of players that don't want to be there. Tom Lynch does not did not want to be there. Um, Stephen May did not want to be there. Cade Collajasny did not want to be Jared there. Lines. Get rid of them because they just end up affecting the locker room. The players end up thinking, oh shit, this player, what is he doing? You know, there's a bit of, yeah, I don't know, just a bit of confusion for the rest of the players. Get him out of there. So that helped him. Regardless, Tom Lynch was um, average last year. I feel like he was injured last year. He hardly played. Yeah, he hardly played. That's right. Um, Stephen May played half the year because he kept getting suspended and injured. Um, oh, Kate Col- this year. Kate Collajasny is. <laughs> Kate Collajasny was again. He had he's had injury troubles, but get him out of there. What did they do? They brought in young players. They signed them up. They got them to buy into the culture by getting some more experienced players around them. I'm talking about Anthony Miles, George Wall and Smith, Corey Ellis. Um, I feel like I'm missing someone. Um, ah. Miles. No, I mentioned Miles. Um, that's something else. Um, anyway, and of course, getting mature age players, which helps with your competitiveness in general. And what does Stewie do? As I said, he's improved the culture and he's gone with a defensive first approach. For a team that can't score um, because of their, I guess, lack of forward um, craft, I think it's a perfect way of going. And as a result, I have not been surprised at all that they've, that they've won a few games. Um, they were very good against Port for the first two and a half quarters, I'll say, yep. today. So that was a bit disappointing. But um, yeah, for me, Gold Coast is showing exactly what I thought that they would show, that they um, are building a culture that can potentially, um, you know, they can potentially build something if they can keep their draft fix there. So yeah, that's the one It's for pretty me. far off though. It's far off, but I see similar to... When Melbourne got in um, Paul Ruse, just getting in a defensive first. Bear Jesus Christ. Yes. Getting a defensive first mentality. And when Brisbane brought in Chris Fagan, it wasn't defensive first, but it was at least make them more competitive. Yeah. Um, build the culture by getting rid of any um, players that don't want to be there. And then, you know, just trying to launch from there. Um, so, yeah, well done to Gold Coast on that. Uh, Samson, you got a final one? Yep. The last one we're going to talk about in our special segment here. And not surprised, Cats are on top. I mean, they've got one of the biggest assets in the game, which I guess is probably underplayed to a certain extent. They get to play in their own stadium, their own city, compared to most other teams for yep. the, you know, half the games of the year. So down at uh, GMHBA Stadium, um, GWS did beat them there, but generally they're not going to lose down there. They've got by far the most points scored for compared to every, any other mm-hmm. team. Haven't had the easiest run as well. They've played some yep. good squ- good squads. Um, yep. Set percentage of 146. The new players that have come in, Dalhouse. Um, Ron. Gary Rowan. So I'm not surprised about Dalhouse. Are you su- uh, I'm guessing you're surprised about Rowan. No, I'm not surprised about either because they were exactly what they were missing. They needed um, complementary players yeah, to, for Hawkins. For Tom Hawkins. I mean, they had Dan Menzel for a while. But yeah. he, he, he never really meshed with the club. He couldn't get consistent games. Yeah, he was injured too a much. Lot of injury problems. Because he decided to do 100 ACLs. Yeah, um, 101, I think, was it? Yeah, no, maybe. Um, <laughs> but they've, they've picked up these players who give good forward pressure mentality. And they've gone, I guess, a more direct football. So yep. they've gone a lot more of tackle to equal turnovers and really push that transition. Yep. Dangerfield has 
really like dropped off compared yeah, to him, in, in, his, in, his, in his influence. Same with Selwood. Yep. Um, Mitch Duncan's been real good though. Yep. And Tim Kelly. Yeah, Tim, Ke- Tim Kelly has gone to a new level. He's yeah. a flat-out gun. I, c- I cannot believe how he can play yeah, for so I, many years I don't get in it. a lower league and, yeah. and not be discovered. But I, then I wonder what he was makes missing. It. Well, I wonder what was missing in his draft year for him to not even be considered. Look, um, I'm a strong believer that a, a, the team makes a player. So there are, there are going to be certain players that really adapt towards a team and they play the same way as a team. And then when they're given a chance in a good team, they are going mm-hmm. to flat-out dominate. Compared to players who will dominate in a lower team mm-hmm. and then not be able to step up according to what their level is required just because they're purely, not selfish, but they're, they're their own self. Mm-hmm. Tim Smith is a gun. Yeah. Tim Kelly. Tim Kelly. Tim Smith, Tim Smith is the Tim Melbourne Smith is, forward. Tim Smith is not a gun. <laughs> Tim Kelly is. <laughs> oh, Tim Smith. Sorry about that, Tim Smith. Um, <laughs> yeah. Now, um, Geelong, what else is there to say? There's um, Obviously, they've gone up to a new level. Yeah. Um, as said, I've said in past podcasts, my models had them pretty high um, at the start of the year, and um, so it, it hasn't surprised me that much. But um, yeah, they've, they've definitely taken it to a new level, and um, clearly premiership favourites, I think, at this stage. How many games do you think they'll win this year? Seventeen. Seventeen. All right. Well, let's look. What they eight at the moment. They'll win another. Yeah. I mean. The, the good players they've got to play, they play the Tigers. Yep. And that's it. Um, so, something that is, <laughs> as you said, underrated about GMHBA is that it is in Victoria. It is in their home state. So, think about Hawthorne having to go to Tassie is still them flying interstate to Tassie. Um, Kanga's going to Tassie is still them flying to Tassie. Who else has a home ground away from home? Like yeah, Melbourne and Alsprey, you can't really call that. No, no, um, it's, 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 it's cheat code. It's essentially is a cheat code. And yeah. I hated it when we played them in the yeah. prelim a couple of years back in 17 when the, the supporters yeah, were complaining, complaining it wasn't yeah. a GMHBA stadium. It's like, mate, you have it the yeah. entire year, every year, a stupid <laughs> advantage. You yeah. just got to play the big game on the big stage. Yeah. And uh, another one for surprise. Did the uh, election results surprise you, Samson? <laughs> yeah, Queensland surprised me. I think that's what the issue so was. So can you explain what happened in Queensland? I don't really follow the politics. I voted so, for Shannon Noll and so, um, KFC. Um, sorry, guys. Queensland were expected to vote Labor heavily. And um, yeah. just like the Tigers were expected to beat the Pies last year in the prelim, it yes. just didn't quite go Landslide. And uh, total turmoil has just capitulated from that. Yes. Uh, well, uh, we know our main man, Daniel Polonsky, is not a fan of Clive Palmer. So he'd yes. uh, be happier with Liberal there. Yeah, I guess if, you, if you're sure. listening, old mate, Mr. Palmer, Clive Palmer, the Polonsky household are in uh, debt. need. Yes, they're in, you are in debt to them. They, they require their funds immediately. So thank you for yes. that, Clive. Yes, thank you, Clive. Um, so, Samson, anything else you wanted to chat about? Um, I say this is a fairly quick, impromptu podcast, really. But yeah, um, no, just a little quickie between the, the two of us. We, we could probably call us the stat nerds, I guess, because we do we love 100%, numbers, crunching yeah. numbers, <laughs> yeah, crunching the numbers. <laughs> I live for numbers. <laughs> I honestly don't think the cats ever lose another game for the rest of the year. <laughs> Like, How many rounds left? Is it 13? They've got... Uh, 13 games left, I mean. 13 games, but I don't think they're going to... Like, they're quite ridiculously not good teams. Yeah. At the moment, Richmond, Adelaide, and the Lions are the only teams mm. that are left in the eight who, who wow. they've got to play. But I don't think they'll lose a game. Yeah, wow. 
Um, what about the actual structure of the eight? Is there anything, like, before we sign off, anything that you see that will change in that eight? Because uh, I don't... I don't foresee anything, any team that can go in there except Essendon. Yeah, look, it's. Yeah, I, I don't know if Essendon will because. Only if they can piece it all together. Yeah, I mean, they barely scraped past the Dockers last night, mm-hmm. and the Dockers had a shitload of chances they probably should have put away. Mm-hmm. Um, their look, I don't know. I mean, the power and the Crows probably chances of slipping out, but mm-hmm. just purely because they're the only ones on 20, 20 points for yeah. the year so far, but like. Yeah, okay. And um, it's pretty settled. So, Carlton Spoon? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> okay. Well, Adelaide number one pick and the number 19 pick. So, uh, thank you, GWS, for giving us... Dino, the, uh, I believe you were in the room for the trade of that pick. I may have been in the room. Um, we didn't dance too much, but, uh, you know, we did go to Revs afterwards and you know, shove, shove a few pingers. Shelve, shelve them. Um, really is the term. Yes, up, um, up the wool shed as well. Up, up at Lambies. Um, all right, so Samson, for sign off, anything, anything else that, that's caught your mind? Uh, no, just looking, ready looking to go forward, to sleep. Looking forward for the Tigers to push, keep pushing forward. You got to get through these injuries. Yep. Um, yeah. No, very impressive last two weeks. Um, have to say, uh, the Fremantle win was um fantastic. Going over to Perth, um, having two injuries pretty early in the game and running over them in like. By the end of the game, like the last quarter, he dominated. It's it was, it was unbelievable. It's team structured, just aggressive football. Anyway, thanks for coming down, Daggers. No I reckon worries. That, I reckon that'll do us for the evening. This podcast coming to you on the 19th of May. This is the completion of round nine. We'll look forward to chatting to you soon when the rest of our co-hosts pull their heads out of their asses and come down for another chat. Thanks, Dana. See you later.